Hey guys, we've got some brand new merch to tell you about. The tie-dye Be Good to Yourself tees are now available. You can get those in aqua, creamsicle, and indigo. Get that and more at theovonstore.com. And I have some new tour dates to announce. I will be in Lincoln, California on September 15th at the venue at Thunder Valley and Las Vegas, Nevada on October 27th and 28th at Resorts World Las Vegas. Tickets for these shows are available starting Wednesday, July 26th with code RATKING. We've also got some new shows in Toronto, Ontario on August 31st. We've added that new show in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on September 8th at the Miller High Life Theater. Today's guest is uh, is a native of Tampa, Florida. Uh, he's one of the most known human beings in the entire world. He's one of the most recognizable figures. Um, he headlined eight WrestleManias, and he headlined my childhood, if I'm really honest with you. Uh, I'm grateful to get to spend time with him today. He's a entertainer, an athlete, a movie star. Uh, today's guest is Mr. Hulk Hogan. You just eat one of your own teeth? <laughs> if you did, that's the toughest thing I've ever seen anybody no. do. No, but I did bite a piece of bacon when these veneers fell off. I almost ate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see you eating my, I could just see you just having one. You yeah. want to snack? So how was Flair? Did he behave at all? Dude, the guy, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say the guy's got some issues. You think? Yeah. I mean, he just, he'd drink his own blood if it hit, you told him it had gin in it, I think. Yeah. You know, are we are we filming? Huh? Are we filming? We don't have to. We will. We no, would I don't never. Care. You can film whatever you want. Yeah, I don't know if we're filming yet. Are we recording? Yeah. Okay. We're yeah, recording. because thirty years, I never saw him take a drink of water. Yeah, brother. Breakfast, hard liquor, vitamins, hard liquor. Yeah, lunch, a couple beers, hard liquor at night. Wine. I love him to death. Oh yeah, but, but he I likes never it. saw him drink drink any water until recently. I don't now think, I think he's back off the water, back on the. Roll again. Yeah, he said he's back. Yeah, he said he did 30 days sober and then walked across the street to a bar and turned in his chip. Yeah. For a that's drink. That's right. The so, funny part is. He can, he just can, he's, that's who he is. Yeah, he's though. the man. The funny part is when he was, had that really serious health issue. Yeah. Um, I got a call from Wendy and it didn't look good. So I flew up, got a plane right away, flew up to Atlanta and uh, I walked in. The doctor pulled me aside. He goes, hey, your buddy here. <laughs> has destroyed his body the inside of some of his intestines and stuff were dying and stuff because he's got a five percent chance of making it through the surgery so he goes in we wait we, uh, jimmy hart was with me we waited we waited we waited he comes out he's still alive um his girl's crying his daughter ashley's crying i'm sitting there holding his hand holding his hand five percent chance to make it he opens his eyes he looks up at me he goes ah, hogan 
get me a six pack. I went, what? First thing he said to me, get me a six pack when he woke up. You know? Yeah, I'm not shocked, man. I know. I was just tripping, man. It just kind of blew, blew my mind, you know. Yeah, it yeah, just, he's a good guy, bro. He's one. He's he's the best there ever was. He's a well. He he and he says that about you, you know. No, he's the best there ever was. Is he the better uh, wrestler? Is he the better? Is he the best entertainer? Is he the best wrestler? He, he was more consistent because I quit. And I really didn't care about the business. I came from playing in a rock and roll band, yeah, you know, and that whole attitude. But once he got in it, he was, you know, he was real consistent and he held it down. Like when I was doing the New York Madison Square Garden thing, he held the Southern Belt thing down, which was actually a little harder because he was going an hour every night. Sometimes they do like what they call it Broadways where nobody wins. Mm -hmm. You do like two hour Broadways with Harley Race. Just at the, just those just those two in the ring. Yeah, because they didn't want to switch a belt. So and they didn't want to make either wrestler or belt. So, okay, you go an hour Broadway tonight. Wow. If I, somebody told me to go an hour Broadway, I said, just beat me. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm going to get room service and a beer. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I say he was the best there was simply because he was so consistent. Now, if you're talking about who drew the most money or internationally, who saturated all the international markets over the years, you know, I had more time and I had more seat time like a good race car driver. I had more seat time in all these foreign markets. Mm -hmm. And Rick, Rick spent the majority of his career down south and he didn't have that. Yeah, that swing arm to plug into Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Malaysia, all these places where people will know who Hulk Hogan is, but they might not know who Tom Brady is. Right. You know? But yeah, you know, he uh, he was the man. I love working with him. Yeah, yeah. He he um he's a scrappy. He just will not be denied. Really, you know. There's something about him, and there was something about that whole NWA. Um, I don't know if it was AWA or NWA at that time when he was really the king of it you know but it came on i think on sunday night like it was almost like i had friends that watched wrestling right they knew yeah. you but i knew if they really watched wrestling if they knew yeah. about um if they knew about nwa you know that's when you could tell if they were yeah. that next level of fucking you know it was a lot of guys that just couldn't even read and they'd be in the stands yelling just signs yeah. misspelled yeah, yeah you, you know? had to be dialed in to be like that whole Crockett Southern Belt promotion, you had to be a wrestling fan. Oh, you had to have rabies, where, where I feel I, like. I was more accessible to the housewives and the kids that didn't know what wrestling was. It, yeah. It was, you know, so it was a whole different thing. But then Rick came our way. Yeah. And I'd been begging him to come up there for years. He wouldn't leave. And then uh, once he came up, then we started rocking, you know. Was it scary whenever he got over to WWE? Did you feel a little bit of like, holy shit, how's this going to go? Because that's that's a lot of ego you know it's a, there's a, there, at that point there's a lot of ego there can only be so many men on the top of the you know on the mountaintops well it's it's kind of like you know it's hard to explain but i play the dumb fox a lot you know and for me i'm always looking who's got the big dollar sign on their chest yeah and i don't mean to be an egomaniac but i mean i could actually wrestle anybody at that time mm -hmm. and sell out we, i mean we sold out everywhere constantly for years yeah it didn't matter if i wrestled flair or kamala or paul orndorff mr wonderful or it didn't matter one man oh, you gang. could wrestle fucking hunter biden dude i'd come watch yeah. you beat him <laughs> but yeah it was uh it was it wasn't that with me it was i wanted him to get over mm. so i would have somebody to work with and chase you know so that was me it was about for me it was like the old school thing the money and the miles you know so you know, I, I wasn't really um, that into being on the road or getting beat on every night. Yeah. But there was so much paper involved, bro. I was in. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Do you think that you felt more like an athlete? Did you feel, I mean, because you came from a music background, did you feel more like an athlete? Did you feel more like a, like this is just, did you almost make wrestling your music in a way? Does that make any sense? Yeah. Kind of? you're, hitting it, you're hitting it on all these cylinders there. I really wasn't an elite athlete that was great on a football field or, you know, a great wrestler, I mean, you know, amateur wrestler. Or you know, I had a baseball background, but I didn't, you know, play major league baseball. I had a couple of things that happened to me that stopped all that stuff. But I looked at myself more as just you said, it's like an art form, an extension of my music. And when I, once I figured out what the business was about, because you can Google Hulk Hogan in Japan, you can see me get down and wrestle like Bret Hart and all the guys, because that's how I started, you know, back in the day here. Mm-hmm. The guy named Hiro Matsuda broke my leg the first day, ran me off, put me in the dojo for two years, learned wrestling, took submissions. You know, so you learned it all. Well, I went through the motions because right. back then, if you got your ass beaten to bar, brother, you were out of the wrestling business. Yeah. You know, back in the seventies, back in the late seventies, a little bit different than the performance center now with the WWE. Yeah. You know. Oh, I can I can only imagine. I mean, you had to live the lifestyle then. Yeah, and you had to protect the business. And if you wanted a job, there's a three hundred pound guy over there with cauliflowers. You had to take the food out of his wife and kids' mouth to get in the business. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, there's 40 wrestlers here that have been training, you know, at the performance center. We can pick one when one gets hurt and replace them. Replace them. It wasn't that way. Right. It was way different back then. But, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, something that once I figured the business out, you know, I kind of like watched a bunch of guys growing up. Like I watched Dusty Rhodes a lot because I was from here, mm-hmm. you know, and then I also watched superstar Billy Graham a lot. And I kind of like stole a little bit from both of them. And then I was digging and rustling and digging and rustling around here. And, and then I quit. And I went up to, you know, northern Florida through Pecola and Mobile, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, wrestled and wrestled. Then I quit. Then I went up to Memphis for a while and I quit. And, I and when was, you were quitting, what was it making you quit, kind of? Was it just the money, bro? I was wrestling like oh, 12, yeah. 13 times a week and they're giving me a check for $125. Oh, yeah. When you're beating the shit out of somebody at a Best Western. Yeah, fucking, I was gigging yeah. my head for five bucks a night. And then in between <laughs> rock and roll bands, one of the lead singers in my band got me in the laborers union here mm-hmm. because in between bands, we'd go put our go to the labor, labor hall and they pull your number. You may get a job for four days at the mall working with uh, uh, a, a pipe fitter or three days at, at a government shutdown working with electricians. And I got uh, a call to go be a longshoreman, help a longshoreman. I get in the union down there. In where? In Florida? And, and yeah, on 22nd Street Causeway in Florida. Okay. So once I learned how to be, and it was a weird place because I, I was probably the first white guy ever in the longshoreman union here in Tampa. Oh, wow. Then Is I it became, mostly Latinos? Latinos and, and, Black. and blacks, yeah. And so then I learned how to load the ships and I became a stevedore. But in between wrestling, I was like, man, 13, 14 times a week, twice on Wednesday, twice on Saturday, three times on Sunday, I wrestled for $125. I'm going back to the docks where I was making 400 bucks a day. Yeah. You know, eating the gimmicks and working 14, 15 hours. You know? It just didn't pay. No. So I quit, quit. I went back and forth, back and forth. But um, then I figured the business out. Right. Then I went back, and one time I slammed somebody. I went, I looked at the crowd, I went, yeah. like that. And the reaction got more response than the body slam. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute. Let me hit somebody in the throat. And then yeah. look, and the reaction got you know more. I said, okay, now I got it. It took me a while to figure it out. And then when I got fired from the WWE, 
F the first time by Vince Senior when I went to make the Rocky movie. I went and spent three years in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and then I figured it out. Oh, the Jesus. Hulkamania thing out, the ripping the shirt, the hulking up. But I wasn't an elite athlete, but I figured the business out, and I got real good at instead of getting somebody in the corner and kicking them 20 times like the guys do, I'd kick somebody once and leave them lying. Yeah. And I'd say, don't get up. And I'd walk around and strut like a peacock and do my thing. And I figured out how to create emotion and drama and get people really pissed off at me or really happy with me. So I just kind of figured it out, man. But I had enough of an athletic ability to have balance and, you know, basically no right. placement and have a cadence in the ring, which, you know, a lot of guys can figure out. Yeah, man. It's just, it's really, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of fascinating to see like what, cause I, I don't, as a fan, like, dude, I remember like you, we would try to stay up for Saturday night main event, yeah. man. And we were kids. It was like, fuck. I remember my brother and I holding each other's eyes open because we were, <laughs> cause it wouldn't come on till 1030. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like, we were fucking sitting there and we would wake up in the morning. We'd be like, what did you see? We're like, we missed it. We were like, when you would come on, it was like, Man, it didn't matter how poor we were. It didn't matter if my parents were too busy. It didn't matter if I wasn't a tough kid. It was like, yeah, I I fell in love with you. It was like, I didn't care about the wrestling, you know? Like I did, the wrestling was cool, but I cared about whoever that, like whoever they made me, whatever they made me feel, you know? And when you, it was like, it made me feel like, man, this is an escape. Like, and, and I fell more in love with the, yeah, the person, not the moves. Like it didn't yeah. matter who's the most athletic. Right, right. You know, Snooker was fun to watch because he had, you know, this hair coming off him, yeah. and you know, and these, uh, you know, domestic charges or whatever, just dangling off of him. But yeah. he was like, but I, otherwise, it was like, yeah, it was about the person. It wasn't about as much the wrestling. Yeah, I figured that out, bro. And and that whole thing I slid into, you know, that from Venice Beach, California. Of course, yeah. I'm from here. Yeah, I was here my whole life. And uh, that that whole being tanner than everybody and having the blonde hair and and just kind of like the training prayers and vitamins, that impeccable baby face character, you know, it kind of like was just perfect timing with everything. Oh, yeah. So I kind of figured out, you know, right away, you know, that the character worked and I saw how I kind of like came up with a little bit better character than everybody else around me. And I just wrote it till it dropped. I picked it up and I wrote it some more and I spanked it and wrote it some more. <laughs> And even when Vince told me, you know, your run's over and I think you're done with it, I f- said, okay, see you later. Went to work for Ted Turner yeah. for 10 years and taught everybody a lesson. That was and NWO? Then, yeah. yeah. And then, then when, I went in as the red and yellow for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Then we kind of felt a little rumbling. I needed to do something evil, you know, and then that got red hot. So you had good instincts then? Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah. Did you say you had good instincts? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I came into New York in 77 as a bad guy. Because I sold out Shea Stadium with Andre in 78. Mm-hmm. And then I went all around Japan. I spent 20 years in Japan, six months out of the year in no Japan. No way. That's what I'm saying. Google some of my matches. In People don't know Japan. about that as much. No, not really. And but. what was that lifestyle? I mean, you guys get over there. First of all, you're twice as big as anybody there. You're as big as some families don't weigh as much as you there. Well, first off, I was single. All right. right. When I went over there, I didn't get married till 83, end of 83 December. So in 77, I went over there. And the guy that broke my leg the first day was a guy named Hiro Matsuda. Matsuda, yeah. Right? And then they ran me off, you know, because I had real long blonde hair all the way down to my ass coming out of a rock and roll band thinking I could be a wrestler. Duh. And then I went back a few months later 
When I got home, my dad beat my ass worse than Matsuda did. Damn. He said, don't you ever let anybody hurt you again. So, you know, it straightened me right up. So a few months later, when my leg was healed, I went back and I had that attitude, you know, because I was, when I was younger, I was real strong and, and you know, kind of aggressive. And um, so I said, I'm not going to let these guys hurt me, you know. So I just didn't let them take my arm. Right. You know, and so I went back and, you know, then they couldn't run me off and they did everything they could to get rid of me. Finally, they just said, okay, we need to teach this guy. He ain't going nowhere. Mm. So I spent a couple of years in Japan learning the submissions, hooks, and all the UFC stuff and to yeah. protect myself. Not much, but I learned enough to protect myself. And, uh, you know, then when I went to Japan, I had this mystique of here on Matsuda broke me in. Mm. You know, and so that carried a lot Matsuda of weight. And then just like we had Elvis here. Mm -hmm. The Japanese at the time had a, a real famous Japanese singer, like Elvis had his hair bleached out. And here I come, they knew I played music. So the first thing I did was I went in the studio and I cut, a, cut an album with a, the most popular Japanese band called Pink Cloud. So I went and cut an album with them. Mm -hmm. And so right away I got over. So then, then they love you. Then the other thing was I brought Freddie Blassie with me. I don't know if you know who he Classy is. Classy Freddie Blassie. Right. And he used to wrestle a guy named Ricky Dozan in Japan who was a mafia guy. Because all all the wrestling in Japan is run by the mafia. TV mm -hmm. assigned, everything's all mafia at the time. Right. I hope they're not listening. <laughs> but they it doesn't matter. <laughs> but no, that's cool. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so now I show up with Blassie. Mm -hmm. And Blassie had false teeth. He had a set of teeth he ate with. Then when he wrestled, he'd file this other set of teeth down. Oh, that's what he would do. Yeah. And he would bite, bite these people. guys in the head, suck the blood out of the head, then spit the blood in their face. Oh, yeah. And his first tour over there, three old ladies died watching TV. Oh, God. So now I come over with him. So I got Matsuda under my belt. I cut this music so the Japanese think I'm some, you know, superstar because I just played music back in the day. And now I'm, I'm with Blassie. So you were a king there? As soon as I walked in there, you know, I was over. And was so, it interesting? What was it, what was it like? What was the fanhood like and how they uh, treat fans different in America and Japan? Well, they, over in Japan, they treat you like, you know, you're royalty. You know, it's just... Like Brad Pitt and, you know, Tom Brady all in one. You know what I mean? Wow. That's how they treat their wrestlers, you know. And, you know, they've got the sumo wrestlers and they've got the pro wrestlers. And, you know, this, even the sumo wrestlers would be bowing down to us. It was just really a strange situation. Like the Yokozunas and stuff? Yeah. Did yeah. you ever battle one of those? Did you guys ever? I almost did. I almost did. Because they're big dudes. Yeah. And, and they're mostly wrestle. Right. right. So when you go into the dressing room at night, wherever you're at, there'd be a sheet of paper on the wall, and it was in Japanese writing. Of course, I knew my name in Japanese, you know, Hulk Hogan Ichiban, number one, and I would know my name, but I couldn't read who I was wrestling. So all of a sudden, in the Japanese dressing room, before I started living and, and traveling with the Japanese, I was still with the gaijins, with the Americans. All of a sudden, I hear all this crazy stuff going on next door because the walls are paper thin over there, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden, Peter Takahashi, the referee, comes up. He goes, oh, so-and-so, Fuji, whatever his name was, just beat up Kabuki, the, 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 the booker. So this, this uh, sumo wrestler, it was his first night, and apparently the booker told this Japanese guy that he wanted him to put me over, mm. but go in and shoot with me for 10 minutes, not work, and I'll take it easy, but really go in and shoot and try to take me down and try to hurt me, but then at the end, let me win. Mm -hmm. He goes, no, I'm not letting him win. So they come over and tell me that. I go, boom, <laughs> you know, just, oh, oh, no, here we go. So I'm going out there, bro, you know, because that's, 
there is no choice. <laughs> yeah, you got to go out. And there. there was a big guy there from Vancouver named John Tenta called Earthquake. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever remember him. Earthquake the wrestler? Yes. Yeah, I remember he him. He used to be a sumo wrestler. And him really? and I were really good friends. He goes, no, Terry, you're not going out there. I am. I said, he's all yours, brother. Wow. And as soon as we were watching through the curtain, as soon as Tenta went out there, this guy tried to hook his eye right away. And man, it pissed Tenta off. Tenta beat the shit out of him. I was like, thank God I didn't go out there. Wow. Because I wouldn't have been ready for him to hook my eye right away. Yeah. You know, I, would, I wasn't thinking on that level. Yeah. But this guy was just really pissed and didn't, you know, he came from a, a sport where it's a shoot, you know, and, and the ending yeah. wasn't predetermined and he did not want to hear any of putting me over. Damn. You know, he thought he was going to wrestle me and beat the crap out of me, but sent John Tenta saved me. Dang. So, so you guys whole, became friends after that. We were friends before that. Before the whole tour, I put him over. I was hiding behind him, like scared <laughs> like a mouse, you know. We, he, I was driving crazy for the last three weeks I was with him. Was there a whole universe that you had going on over there that we didn't even know about here? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, if I was like in Minnesota, for instance, and I would wrestle on a Friday night, if I had Saturday and Sunday off, I'd fly to Japan. Wow wrestle there in tokyo and osaka then fly back from monday tv because the money was good there yeah yeah real good wow yeah japan we had who do we have on we had on jesse ventura oh yeah. did you this has already gone better seven thousand <laughs> times better than that um uh, jesse can be a little confrontational the baja yeah he um he was like i lived you know i was uh part of the one percenters he's like i'll I sat. I lived on the seventh ring of Saturn. Yeah, yeah. You want to know why? Oh, he hates my guts. Does he? Oh, bro. Yeah. I talked to him for three hours. I talked for seventeen seconds. Yeah. He talked for all the other time, and he kept saying, "I'm going to leave in just a minute," and then he would talk for seventy more minutes. Wow. But anyway, trip. It was a trip. Yeah, that guy was just. It was the. It was the wildest interview. I, the chat. Wildest conversation I ever had in my whole life. Wow. When you go to the bathroom, you close the door behind you, do you? Of course, yeah. You don't want somebody coming in there because you're doing things. You're, you know, you're doing what God wants you to do. You don't need help. But do you do that with your web browsing or are you leaving the bathroom door open? Express VPN, they can help you. Using the internet without a VPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Because your internet service provider knows every single website you visit. They can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. So your online activity can't be seen by anyone. It works on phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi is protected. Get an extra three months of ExpressVPN free by going to expressvpn.com slash Theo. That's expressvpn.com slash T-H-E-O for three extra months free. Expressvpn.com slash Theo. I use it. I am grateful for it. Cold turkey, it might be good on sandwiches. It might not. It might, might not. Depends on if you even like it. But there's a better way to break your bad habits than cold turkey. We're not talking about some voodoo or hypnosis. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about some crazy neighbor coming over and just massaging the, the sin right out of you. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume. And they look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. 
So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. That's right. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. That's right. The taste of fume, it's, it's different. It keeps you locked in. It's, you almost go to it as a little reward. It's your little, it's your little dog treat when you need it and helps you get over those tough moments. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to fume is easy. Fume has served over 100,000 customers. You can join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code Theo to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com and use code T-H-E-O to save an additional 10% off your order today. Um... So whenever, uh, when you look at a lot of guys have, you know, you're in, you seem really healthy, you know, do you feel healthier than, uh, I mean, a lot of guys in your line of work haven't had the, a lot of the same blessings of health. I mean, I know you got a pretty bad spine, you know, yeah. um, what's bad on you? Like, where's your health at kind of now? And well, I think internally I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. It's just, I abuse my body so bad, you know? Um, in the last 10 or 12 years, I've had like 25 surgeries, you know, it's kind of weird because when I went to do Rocky three, when my mother was still alive, if you would come to my house, she'd go, yo T come over here. First thing I want to do is measure you, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And that's what she did to me before I went to do the Rocky movie. I was like 335 pounds. I was six foot seven on the nose. Well then right before my mother died a few years back, she wanted to measure me. I was six, four and a half. Huh. You know, between the 10 back surgeries yeah. and the two knee replacements and the two hip replacements and the abdominal stuff and the shoulders and all the surgeries I've had, you know, and plus you get older, you, you shrink up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you get a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, other than, you know, like when I'm with Sky mm -hmm. and we're walking, I lean on her. So it looks like we're in high school. I'm like, hey, baby, what's up? <laughs> I'm really just kind of like <laughs> hanging on, you know, for the ride. Or if I'm not with her, I can pretty much walk on my own from here to that door. Mm -hmm. But if it gets too far than that, I get like a walking stick, which is embarrassing and hell as hell. Mm -hmm. But this guy says, embrace it. You're a warrior. I said, you're right, baby. You're right. I am a warrior. You it's know, a cool so, way to look at it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to adapt. But, um, you know, we're going in Monday uh, tomorrow morning for another myelogram, you know, because I'm having some more issues with my back. And they're going to see if the disc is pushing the spine above the hardware. And if it is, then they want to go from the middle of my back up to my neck. But if the disc isn't pushing on the spinal cord, then they said, we don't want to cut on you anymore. And there's, because my left hip is like 25 or 26 years old. They think there might be a problem there, but damn. we're going to find out. Yeah. But it's all from that damn fake wrestling business. <laughs> Nobody told me it was fake. <laughs> yeah. Did it get more, did it get more, the, like did the theater of it change over the years? How did the theater of wrestling evolve over the years? I hate to say that. Well, when I first got in, um, if you kick somebody, leave lace prints on them. 
when you punch somebody, you know, we want to see black and blue marks. Yeah. That was the mindset when I was first in. And all and I was a medium-sized guy. I was like 310, 315. I was like medium-sized. Swede Hansen 360, King Kong Monster 3, 360, all these monsters, you know, that I was wrestling. And it's, you know, it was hard pushing them around. So it got to the point where, you know, these guys would beat the crap out of each other and it was real territorial, you know, and they'd work four or five days a week. But then once this thing blew up and I cut a deal with Vince Jr. after I was fired and I came back, mm -hmm. it was like every single night there were three towns a night running, you know. Yeah. And so we kind of lightened up with the work. And it was always supposed to be light, but it, it never was because people were really laying it in and really, really. Did people get competitive? Yeah. I mean, would there be guys that you had real kind of like, you know, yes. you just had a long day in the car with them and you're like, tonight when we get out there, you're going to get it. it. It got a little crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I always had a, a little bit more of a target on my back because I was the guy. Right. You know, so. If oh, you, that's true. So huh? if you go and you break Hulk Hogan's arm, guess what? Your career's made. Right. And I ran with the pack a lot, but then I'd also fly to South Africa and wrestle the heavyweight champion in South Africa. And I'd fly to, you know, different places and be by myself. Yeah. You know, and Vince is going, don't you lose that belt, monster. I'm like, oh, great. You know, because oh, yeah. you could get hooked real quick in there, you know, if you're not thinking. Yeah. And so there was all that. And then when I come back to the States, I do this wrestling, you know. And so it was all cool, but it just about – um 1980 when i went to minnesota instead of digging and wrestling so much i started you know playing to the crowd more and then by the time i came back to new york to wrestle the chic they didn't play any entrance music they didn't sell any merchandise and i pulled vince aside i said bro i'm making a ton of money in the twin cities selling t-shirts and headbands and frisbees and all kind of stuff and he changed his thoughts and, and and on the way to the ring don't Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. The place explodes instead oh, of just coming yeah. out with no music. So I cranked it in the garden that first night with the Iron Sheik. Dun, 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 and the place exploded. And Vince went, mm, monster, you're right. So yeah. you know, Jimmy Hart, my manager, mm -hmm. sat down and wrote most of the entrance music for everybody. Really? He was a musician? He was a composer? Yeah. yeah. Well, he was in a uh, way before your time. Actually, before my time, thank God. Jimmy's 79 years old, but Jimmy was in a band called The Gentries, mm -hmm. and they had a hit song called Keep On Dancing, and they recorded at Sun Studios in Memphis where Elvis recorded. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I've been over there. It's yeah, cool. And so Jimmy knew everybody, and Jimmy's so got a musical. Yeah, and he used one of those auto harps to record everything, you know? Hmm. And not to record everything, but to write everything. I mean, yeah. Yeah, write everything. And so, uh, yeah, once Vince saw the music and, um, you know, got into the merchandising, it changed the game because, you know, when I went up there – to work for Vince Jr., um, I lived right next door to him up there in Greenwich. And so I was in okay. the office every day, you know, for the first three or four years. It was me and Vince in the office. So every you day. really got dialed into the business side of it. Yeah, a long time, long time ago before I went back there. Right. The three years in Minnesota were a great education for me because I was with a guy named Vern Gagne. Yeah. And I was real tight with him and his son. He owned Greg. that area, didn't he? Own yeah, that? he owned everything. And I was single. I had nothing to do but just learn. You know, and plus I just, I just, you know, I took to like a duck to water, man. I, I found a way to, you know, really, you know, progress and generate a ton of revenue. It was easy for me, you know, because right. I, I had a feel for it, you know, and I could wrestle anybody. I, and I didn't even know if I was going to wrestle him. All he goes tells me who's going to win or lose. I don't mean I need to talk about anything. I never talked about a match. Really? Except one time with The Rock and we didn't do anything we talked about.
So a lot of times you're out there, you're just kind of figuring out like you guys each at a certain point, especially if the guy's good enough or seasoned enough, you know, you know, you can make it great. I could go out there with Randy Orton, not say a word. Matter of fact, when I wrestled in SummerSlam, we didn't even talk. You know, Vince told us who he wanted to win or lose, and we went out and did it. Randy Orton's old school. Old yeah. Old. I could do that with Cena. You know, I, I'd have to talk, listen. I mean, you have to, I have to lead the match, but I could do it with Cena because he's good enough. Yeah. Um, rock all day long, Stone Cold all day long. These guys are really good in the ring, bro. Yeah. Flair all day long. Me and Flair never talked. Nothing to talk about. See you out there, brother. You know, so that's how I learned. Andre, you know, I'd go to Andre, hey, boss, is there anything I want to do, do out there tonight? Don't worry. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know, how do you want to start the match? <laughs> Don't worry. Okay, no, I ain't worried. <laughs> yeah. Scared me to death. You know? Did a guy like Andre, like, what kind of, like, if you guys were cruising in the car, like, what, did he have to sit in the back or did he have to, like, be under a tarp in the trunk or, or the truck or something? Or how would you even get, oh, like, killing me, man. but how would you you're get something me. that big somewhere? Um, well, we didn't travel together, you know, and yeah, because the car wouldn't go. <laughs> yeah, why. yeah. Well, we, we we drove for a lot of years, you know. Like if I was wrestling, yeah. if I was wrestling in Atlanta tonight, and I had to be in Minneapolis tomorrow night, I'd drive. Right. If so I, if you guys drove, like you did, yeah. if if I, yeah, how could Andre be in a car? Could he be in a car? He he. They had a van. They drove him in, but then we started flying. Right. Early eighties, we started flying a lot, so it made it easier. But, um. If you can imagine, there was never a chair he could sit in. He couldn't sit in that chair. Couldn't sit there. Oh, yeah. There was never a chair. There was never a bed. There was never a knife. There was never a fork. He was never comfortable. Oh. When he sat on a plane, his head would be sideways like this, where the overhead is. He'd be yeah. flying like this. And every plane probably just goes to the Bahamas <laughs> that he's on. You know? But the hardest thing for me was, you know, the first eight or nine years, he didn't like me at all. And tortured me. Why was he jealous? Well, or I was envious? I was I was hard headed, bro, when I was younger. I thought I could beat anybody up. And I thought I could beat him up. Did you keep that energy like when you were in person too, kind of? Like outside not, of not he just didn't like me. He just really didn't give me the time of day. But when we got in the ring, he showed me how much he didn't like me. Right. You know, and yeah, then awesome. I made the mistake of bringing a flight attendant to the Capitol Center in Washington. Oh, we've all done that. And I put her right in the first row, and I didn't tell Andre, I didn't tell anybody. And then I kind of kept rolling out of the ring where she was, you know, and had Andre chase me out there. And then when he chased me, I turned around to catch him real quick. And then he heard her saying, come on, Terry, come on, Terry. And he goes, oh. and he figured out she was with me, and he about killed me. He took me back in the ring. You know how you tie the ropes up mm -hmm. he tied the bottom rope in the second and put my neck in and put a size 26 foot on it was just almost broke my neck in the ropes then i had those yellow tights on he picked me up like a damn stork yeah with my balls and my ass hanging out and carried me around the <laughs> ring in front of this girl with all my junk hanging out yeah you know? no more girls <laughs> yes sir no wow. more girls i get it but you know, he just didn't want that energy there, huh? No, because he knew I was showing off. Oh, and yeah, he, he didn't want to be used as part yeah, of showing off. Yeah, and I was trying to get over by showing him off, and he yeah. beat my ass for that. You know, that's awesome, dude. That's so much fun. What, for, was you, there, for you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Was there a part where it started to like where where did it start to? Because everything I noticed, like there's a there's a part where it's fun, it's beginning, and then it becomes work. You know, yeah. Did it start to feel like that at a certain point? I mean, even if you're a hero to the world, it's still yeah. I hated it. Yeah, I hated it. I hated the business because of the traveling, and 
you know, the no sleep. You have to make a choice between eating, sleeping, or working out. So the prior priorities were working out first, yeah, eating, and the sleep was the third priority. So like if we wrestled in Madison Square Garden tonight, you know, and all of a sudden we're supposed to fly to St. Louis, short flight, hour and a half to St. Louis. Well, all of a sudden you get the LaGuardia planes canceled. You know, oh my God, you can't. You know, oh, yeah. now it's delayed. It's delayed, and it just you spent all days in the all day in the airport, and then when you land in St. Louis, you know, do you go to the hotel first and check in and waste time, or do you go to the gym first? So I'd always go straight to the gym and work out, and then usually I wouldn't even have time to go to the hotel. I'd usually go to the arena, and I was always on last, so I'd miss room service and food. So that was oh. always a scramble. And then I'd check in the room later at night, you know. So it was just a potluck. Sometimes the flights would be on time and sometimes they wouldn't. But the traveling, I hated the traveling because yeah. it was – I was flying 300 days a year. And it burns yeah. you down. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's brutal. Even with stand-up comedy, it's like we get to – sometimes you take the overnight flight because it's the cheapest back then. So yeah. sometimes um, when I was living in California, we'd fly. So I'd get in at 5.30. you get in at 6.30 in the yeah. morning or something. So then they take you straight to radio, yeah. right? So then you're there for two hours, and then you get back to your hotel. Now it's around like 11 a.m., but you yeah. haven't slept really, so you try to get a few hours of sleep, and then you get up and want to live. It's just that the traveling burns people out, man. Yeah, yeah and you get off stage last. The food call's already been done. You're yeah. like, fuck, man. I remember I used to tease John Belushi, you know, because we'd, we'd jump on a blower Friday night out of uh, JFK. What do you mean a blower? Uh, all night. You know, oh, okay. nonstop, nonstop. Oh, you meant an eight ball. That guy died of no, coke, no, no. I think. <laughs> Whatever. But I, I'd jump on the, the you know, Pan Am, you know, to go to L.A. And we'd land. I said, all right, brother, I'll see you Monday. You know, because like, he was on the flight back Monday morning. I'd be on it. And he'd see me Monday. He goes, oh, man, I'm just beef for this traveling. Well, I said, since you got here Friday night, bro, I've already been back to New York and back once. <laughs> I had to fly back to wrestle at the Capitol Center. I've been back. So since you've been here wrestling for 48 hours, I made the trip there and back again. He goes, no, you didn't. I said, I swear to God I did, bro. You know, because you're out of your mind. I said, well. So it was, there was a lot of – but that's the part I hated was the traveling. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I really dug was, you know, being in the ring because when I was in the ring – you know, I was real present. You know, I didn't think about anything else. Mm. You know, ex-wives, ex-girlfriends, kids, business problems, money problems, three or four guys that wanted to kill me in the back. I didn't think about anything. You know, when I was in the ring, I was in, completely in the moment. Yeah. You know, and when I, the, one, the one thing that really worked for me was once I clicked, I was not Terry Bollea. When I went to that ring, I was Hulk Hogan, brother, and I believed it. I mean, I believed when I was in there, I wasn't afraid of anybody or anything. And I just, that was my attitude, you know, because if I didn't believe it, you're not going to get them to believe it that are watching. I you know? believed it. So I was so dialed into that character, man. I lived through that thing and it got me through a lot of craziness. You know, it helped a lot. Yeah. How tough was it? Because you have a family, right? Yeah. yeah. And how tough was it? Um, I always wondered, like, to your kids, like, to be because you're everybody's hero like you were like you know you were a hero to so many people right i wonder if it's tough for a child to be like oh how do i make my dad seem like my hero you know like how do i make my dad seem like my hero if he's everybody else's hero you know i wonder if that's tough for a kid you know i'm sure it is you know um the kids were real aware of who i was but you know the moment I would come home, bro, 
that Hulk Hogan thing was dropped. Really? At the front door. I didn't have any pictures in my house of me. No wrestling crap in the house at all. I didn't want it in my house. Some guys have belts hanging and pictures of themselves and stuff. But would you ever mess up? Would you ever be like, go to your room and don't come out to the bell rings or something? <laughs> like, like, would you ever like? <laughs> no, no, brother, I didn't do that. But the thing was, you know, I was, uh, I dropped that whole cooking persona. And the moment I'd walk in the house, I'd take the bandana off the bald head and I was just dad or Terry. And I was, you know, I, I could switch gears pretty easy because I just didn't live that character like oh yeah brother and yeah like, red heart thinks he's the greatest wrestler and all this crazy crap that these guys think you know i just let it go man it was a job and i was real good at what i was doing i had to there had to be a degree of separation with me because you'll end up killing yourself you know you can't oh, live yeah. up to that character i mean all my guys are dead and i was a ring leader you know i was a ring leader i was running them all hard and I'd come to the edge and I'd stop after about four days. You got to keep going. I'm out, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, I had, to, I had to draw a line in the sand. So you were able to do that pretty, pretty, it, was, it came naturally for you. It was pretty easy to do. I'm really good at stopping things mm. or starting things. And she's been around me a little while now, but. She's beautiful. She, yeah, she is. Uh, you're she? Pretty, I mean, you're handsome, but she's better. Well, she's you're better not my type, brother. So okay. Just, <laughs> you just hold your horses back, all right? Yeah. And same brother, same yeah. brother. Yeah. yeah. I like sisters. Yeah, but, but with that baby, I got me a whole new family, too, so I'm good. I'm oh, really good. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. What were we talking about? I look uh, at her and I forget what I was talking about. Uh, look, I feel you. I look. I, I agree with you. You just she look. Is, That's all you get. You I'm not going to look again. Don't look again. I won't lie. Don't look again, bro. I'm over here, brother. Right. Yeah. Cool. We're good now. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of guys that have passed away. Did you go to some of the guys' funerals? What was yeah, some of yeah, and I quit doing funerals and weddings because I walked in on so many hotel rooms where the guys were passed away. You know, and oh, over the years, just yeah, just, yeah. Well, oh. I mean, if you I, and I don't know the numbers now, but you could probably Google it. one of the guys could tell you right away. But you know, with baseball, let's say over the last twenty years, you would have got twenty guys died, or basketball twenty, maybe it's thirty or forty. I don't know. You know, hockey maybe ten, fifteen, twenty. Wrestling, 350. Yeah. I mean, everybody's dead. Yeah. You know, I got I got a retail store right down on Clearwater Beach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we sell pictures and posters. And, I, okay, that okay, there's six guys in the picture. I'm the only one still alive. It's freaky, man. I'm sure. You know, especially because my mom and dad are dead and my brother's dead. All my friends are dead. So it kind of like the mortality thing can get to you after a while. So when you ask you how, how my health is, I'm cool. You know, with all the back, I mean, you can have one back surgery and end up in a wheelchair. I've had 10, you know, and so I'm very blessed, very lucky, bro, you know, and, and just, uh, like I said, I'm either all the way in or I'm all the way out. If we're going to party, bro, we're going to party. Yeah. If I'm going to go straight, I'm going to go straight, you know, and right now I'm on the straight run. You know? Yeah. No alcohol, no, actually I did take two Tylenols. I was hurting so bad today, but I, I didn't take Tylenols, Advil or leave for, for months now and I haven't drank since january 1st but when i go oh, nice the, congrats when I, when I go the other way you can ask flair it gets ugly you're going in huh no, I'm going hard. oh yeah well flair look i mean yeah flair definitely i mean he can you, say whatever he wants about me but i put his ass to bed every time yeah oh i believe that because he's at nine o'clock vote come on nine o'clock yeah he's down last night he invites us out right so we get out of work we had a show last night we get out we uh text his uh the lady his yeah. his assistant or yeah. whatever she's like oh he just who's that now who's the new victim her name's gia yeah. she's 
I mean, I'll tell you this. She's uh, she lifts chest a lot. I'll tell you that. There you go. I'll say that. Typical flair. I love it. She skips. She skips arm and leg day, but she really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she said, "Oh, it's not. A, he just went to bed. You know, I just no. put him to sleep. But he, he lives sneaks, that thing. He usually sneaks off on you, though. Really, oh, I could see you'll that. You'll be drinking at the bar, drinking at the bar, and you'll think he's going to the bathroom. You don't come back. Yeah. And there's usually this huge tab that he leaves. <laughs> so he's got it down, brother. Believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a short story, flare story. Yeah. In between back surgery number four or five or six, whatever it was, I booked this Hulkamania tour. Mm -hmm. First time I've ever booked a tour on my own overseas, right? Australia. So I hire Flair and I hire a bunch of wrestlers to come with me. Flair goes, hey, I need my money up front. Okay, Rick, sure. You Probably know. for one of his wives, I bet. He brought one of them with him. One yeah. Of, actually, he divorced her right up. He's always got a wife on him somewhere. Yeah. And so I paid him up front, and uh, all of a sudden, we're getting ready to go to Australia. Oh, my back, you know, goes out again. And now the tour's booked. I'm following Britney Spears around. I'm a day behind her, her tour, picking up leftovers, I yeah. thought. I thought. And uh, so my back around, I had to have another back surgery right before i left and i had stitches in my back when i went over there you know still that's how crazy i used to be you know you need yeah when you travel you with stitches like, you, chill. you need to lay in bed about six months after yeah, back surgery like, Fuck i that. was gone let's go we're, we're wednesday rocking. we're out of here yeah, so i told flair yeah thank you yeah so we get over there and the greatest thing was the first night in sydney sydney australia britney spears got mad and shot the crowd a bird right so nobody came to her tours right the rest of the tour so we bounced around and picked everybody up you know and I wrestled Flair a bunch over there. And every night he'd come to me, he goes, hey, I need another five grand tonight. What? I already paid you. He goes, oh, no, I need another five grand. I said, okay, well, here's five grand. And then he kept doing it. I said, Rick, why am I giving you five grand? Well, you know, we're drawing such big crowds. You know, you, 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 know, you, you need to pay me another five grand. So I paid another five grand. I went down to the bar. He's buying drinks for everybody. I mean, paying for everything. That's what he's doing with the five grand. Yeah. He's keeping everybody in the bar to party with him all night, you know? And he wasn't going to bed at nine o'clock back then. He doesn't like to be alone, he said. He said there's yeah. been times in his life where he didn't, he couldn't, absolutely couldn't stand to be alone. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Because some people, they like their peace. They like their their space. Um yeah, he just, it, it was interesting when even talking to him, he just is who he, it seems like there's there's not a lot of getting, he's just the nature boy. That's who he is, bro. That's who he is. It's, it's very admirable and it's interesting, you know? But I mean, that is who he is. He likes to have a good time and he will find it no matter what. And he wants you to have a good time too. Yeah. I don't think I could be Hulk Hogan 24 hours a day. Yeah. I don't think I could, I wouldn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. make it. Well, that's why I can't imagine. Yeah, being a hero to so many people, and how it is. Yeah, to be able to be then to then be a dad would also seem like tough, you know. Um, what about if you could, when you look back on kind of your career, because you've had a lot of different angles. You've had um, wrestling. You've had entertainment, right? You've yeah. had movies. We went. And I remember seeing. What was one with you against No Holds Barred? Yeah, yeah. No Holds Barred. Yeah, dude. That was fucking <clears throat> crazy when you did that, dude. Yeah, that was a wild one. Yeah, and we went and see you had the thing, and we're yeah. like, what is going on yeah. here? We yeah, Tiny passed away, man. Tiny yeah. Lester. Yeah, I was sorry to see that. He's my boy. That wasn't, that was a couple years ago, right? Yeah. 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 yeah do you start to get like, 
why didn't you why have you had better luck than some of these guys i kind of reeled it in bro you mean you, you mean why am i still alive yeah is that what you're asking me yeah i didn't want to say it like no, that. no that's yeah. cool it's cool i think honestly if we stayed up for three four nights in a row partying i would still go work out right nobody else would i right. would still go train i would still eat good i was the training prayers and vitamins i was actually doing that you know praying that i wouldn't die and yeah eat the vitamins still bro. a prayer yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. but but Even yeah if the vitamins are percocets I'll yeah whatever couple, you know maybe a couple were <laughs> but uh a couple more than a couple i mean look yeah. when they came out with somas dude i'm i drove a car into an invisible driveway yeah yeah, yeah went to, a, and went to get that, taken that, in was, for that. that was one of the drugs of choice for the wrestlers yeah it was very dangerous for them yeah, because yeah. it would shut people's throat down my buddy richard died he choked on some chicken that he didn't even know he was eating and yeah um but he took some of those muscle relax they relax your throat so much you're it doesn't pull the food down a lot of people choke today yeah yeah a lot of guys would get the soma shakes i don't know if you ever saw that but that's uh -uh. a little scary yeah. god it sounds like a TikTok trend almost it's just like somebody beating it just and they can't stop or they'll be walking and they freeze and they i mean i've seen it happen so many times when you're eating 10 20 of them at a time you know but and people uh, were taking that much pain pills to feel okay huh oh yeah oh yeah and uh you know it, for me i would always um i never went down that road yeah with, you know if there were, if you're supposed to take one or two that would be it I never went down that road five or ten. I never did that, you know. Never. We didn't have addiction. It doesn't sound no, like really. No, man. No, I and you know, when it came to weed or this and that and the other, I could quit and not do it for three, four, five years. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. You know, so it's like, but you know, I just think because I was real consistent with mm -hmm. the training and actually trying to eat good in between all the craziness of the drinking and raising hell, I kind of like stayed on track where I would see these guys defect for weeks and not go to the gym and just drink constantly and just not eat and not sleep and i just i can't handle it man i had to be the lead dog man right i still had to be the main event where they could get be on the match underneath me and be slacking right i had to i had to blow the you roof off the, the place yeah man yeah. i had to, to deliver you know i didn't want anybody stealing my spot because mm. they were all trying you know every yeah. night <laughs> yeah i guess it's strange because your teammates but at the same time they're low-key trying to take your throne oh yeah yeah I slipped on a banana peel or got hurt, they'd be more than happy to replace me. And how much do you have to make sure the promoter and the owners that you stay in their good graces so that you also stay the lead dog? Is that like a whole nother thing going on? That that helps. That helps. Um, I just get myself in, in, in a position that the character became so powerful, even if I really did piss somebody off, they still had to use me. Yeah. Because you know, if I went somewhere else, I'd put them out of business. You know, so the character it had a long run. I mean, you know, oh yeah, the, it's still the running whole, for me the whole right red now. and yellow, bro, through the eighties and all through the nineties. And then then when I went back, you know, that last time when I wrestled The Rock and a couple other people, I was still red hot, man, you know. Oh yeah. I remember seeing a poster it said it said fuck Ronald McDonald and had him yeah. with red and yellow, and then it said Hulkamania on yeah. it. And that's when I knew you had just done it yeah yeah there was there was real a real iffy thing when i came back to the wwe the last time because i'd spent 10 years trying to put him out of business you know with ted turner mm -hmm. and we were beating the crap out of him for a long time and then there were a bunch of business decisions and american online and turner broadcasting merged 
And they didn't want wrestling as part of their portfolio. They wanted Turner Classics, Movies of the Week, and new programming. Was that AOL they merged with? I don't yeah. remember. It and was. they took my boss, Ted Turner, and kicked him to the curb. He had some office way in the back of the building where I couldn't even find him half the time. And they just didn't want wrestling, even though on TBS and TNT, we had three-to-one ratings at the highest shows they had. Mm-hmm. And so when all that started to decline and demise, um, you know, I get a call from Vince, you know, and he says, hey, man, I want you to come back and, you know, put the red and yellow rub on the rock, you know. I said, well, I don't want to come back as a good guy. I'm going to come back as Hollywood Hogan, you know, because if I'm going to do it right, I want to put this kid over right, you know. And plus, he, I knew his dad. I traveled with his father for years. Yeah, yeah, you guys, you started with the father. Yeah, I started with his dad. We traveled one everywhere together. And I mean, I remember when Rock was like seven or eight years old, I threw my headband and he caught it in the crowd at the garden, you know, so – I had a long history with the family and all the Samoan brothers. They're all my guys. And yeah, I was there when The Rock came back, dude. I was there the yeah. when he came back. I think it was 2014 or yeah. something. But anyway, go on. So, yeah, so when I wrestled him, you know, I did everything I could to get heat. You know, I right. hit him in the back of the head with a hammer. I put him in an ambulance, chained the ambulance. I ran him over with a semi. Damn. I mean, I did everything I could yeah. to make people hate me. And then when I went out at WrestleMania 18, they cheered me out of the building. Whenever The Rock would punch me, they'd boo him. I was going, oh, my God. You know, so I said, all that stuff we talked about, we ain't doing it. Just listen. We're going. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. That's right. I've gotten therapy. I've gotten BetterHelp. Um, You know, I've had times where I wasn't seeing the world as comfortably as I should be. You know, and it wasn't just a little thing. It wasn't just something that I knew would pass. It was something that that was building and gaining momentum inside of me. And it kind of scared me, you know. If you're struggling, if there's something that's off, it's, I mean, we're humans. We have a voice and we need to use that and we need to get feedback from someone who knows what they're talking about. BetterHelp can help set you up with a licensed professional. That's right. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. There's no charge. And I want to iterate that. If, if, if you are going to a therapist and it's super comfortable and easy, but nothing's changing, then that might not be the best scenario. You can always try a new one here or there. You can go back to the first one if you want. Visit betterhelp.com slash T-H-E-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's right. That's betterhelp.com slash Theo. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Man, it's hot, man. It's hot, man. You know it. Ask your friend if it's hot. If they say no, they lying. And sometimes it's too hot to cook. You get in the kitchen, you can't even start the oven. Dang, it's more hot. The oven just a box of more hot, man. Thankfully, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Yes, You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. That's the truth. If you're too busy with summer plans to cook or just too heated out, let Factor help. You don't have to go to the grocery, the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning, all that. Factor's got it. Looking for calorie-conscious options this summer? Try delicious dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Wow, that's great. That's really great. They have 34-plus weekly restaurant quality options like bruschetta, shrimp risotto. 
Greek goddess chicken, oh, hey, and grilled steak filet mignon. Ready in just two minutes. They have keto to calorie smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus, they've got it all. This July, get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash Theo50 and use code Theo50 to get 50% off. That's code Theo50 at factormeals.com slash Theo50 to get 50% off. Man, hydration is key. I was just talking with my uh, with my kind of stepdad, uh, adoptive stepdad, and he was telling me um, that he's he had to go to the hospital because he wasn't getting hydrated. So they started hitting him up with hydration. And so I sent him over some uh, liquid IV. I said, hit these packets, cat daddy. Stay well, baby. Stay dripping. Liquid IV, the number one powdered Hydration brand in America is now available sugar-free. And that was a lot of people's issue sometimes with these things, too much sugar. But years in the making now, the Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free uses a proprietary zero-sugar hydration solution with no artificial sweeteners. That's just hydration only. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone. They got three new flavors, white peach, white peach, grape, grape, and lemon, lime. That's it. One stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. Yep. Real people, real flavor, real hydrating, now sugar-free. Grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Theo at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you use promo code Theo at liquidiv.com. So I guess in the end, the crowd is the real determinant of if whatever script they're writing, if it's going to play or not. Yeah. Ah, that's, that's so interesting. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, we'd never, um, I had never talked with anybody about having a match before. And when I went back, Vince was worried. Well, things have changed, monster. You know, if you're going to come back here, you got to really bring it. I didn't say anything, but in my mind, I'm saying, if I bring my shit, you're going to ask me to take it back, you know, because I can still go. And so I didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, I get a call from Vince, you know, We'd really feel comfortable if you go down to Miami and rehearse the match. I said, Vince, I've never rehearsed a match in my life. What are we going to talk about? Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do until I listen to the people. You know, I listen to my ear and my heart. I don't. Yeah. You know, so we, I go out of respect. He, Vince asked me to go down there. So I go down there and Rocky Johnson's there, his dad. Oh, yeah. He played football at Miami, didn't he? Yeah. And it's hot as a bitch in this warehouse they had, middle of summer. And this other guy named Pat Patterson, who knows a lot about wrestling and kind of helped me when I first started. So I get in the ring with The Rock, and he kind of told me what he wanted to do, you know, and kind of walked me through what he wanted to do. And I was thinking, man, if, you know, what if the crowd doesn't like what we're doing? Are we just going to keep doing this? You know, so out of respect, I listened to him, you know, because, you know, of his dad and him and the family. I listened to everything I wanted to do. And then Pat Patterson goes, okay, let's go through the match. I said, are you fucking crazy? 
said, if I fall down here, I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I need 80,000 people, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a one time around the block guy. I ain't going to reverse yeah, this crap. Yeah, me too, dude. Oh, yeah. So, it's so anyway, a lot of times I said, look, just we're cool. And Dwayne's father, I mean, Rock's father's going, Dwayne, listen to Hogan. He's just yelling at him from outside. Just listen to Hogan. <laughs> you know, so we get up to Toronto, right? And, you know, everybody thinks I'm going to get booed out of the building and they're going to cheer him because he's been the number one babyface guy there forever. So we're in the dressing room and the rock starts going over what we kind of planned. I'm listening and listening. So, okay, brother, if it's there, we'll do it. If it's there, we'll do it. If it's there, we'll do it. And his dad's going, Dwayne, listen to Hogan. So we get out there, bro, and it was booing him, cheering me. I said, oh, this ain't going to work. <laughs> so we kind of flipped things around in the ring, and he was so good in the ring, bro. He's wow. like an audible, man. He's like that second-generation, third-generation wrestler instinct, man. He was there. So it was fun. But it took me about 10 minutes to get things turned around yeah, to where they were pissed at me and halfway pissed at me and, you know, halfway for each of us. So, But it was it was a an amazing night. I've never experienced anything like that with a crowd. That was that was a lot of quit thinking on our feet out there. That's cool, man. Yeah. But that's how it always was with me. I never wanted to talk about anything. I want to go out there and let's see what these people want before yeah. you start deciding for them. Oh, I remember screaming so loud I thought you could hear me through my television, you know? Well, you know what that what you're talking about, that main event that night at Wrestle Andre, we had thirty three million people watch that night. Still the largest TV audience for for NBC. Dude, oh, I can't imagine how many younger siblings are in wheelchairs because of you guys oh thanks brother and i and look and proudly in wheelchairs too thanks brother i mean can we get some class action lawsuits on you says lawyer saying, i'm just saying like, thanks brother i remember once wrestling came on i knew that, to put on my knee and elbow pads because i was a young because <laughs> anyway. i was a younger brother dude and we were gonna get it brother that's cool um, man that's cool what's been a tough thing like a lot of you guys travel so much. A lot of it's tough on families. What's the tough? What was the toughest part? Like, uh, was it tough on your family? With, with I'm sure with the dad being gone, it's got to be really tough. You know, looking back, was there ways you think that you could manage it better? Or like, Flair said, the career just takes so much time. You just can't be home. I had kind of a. And this just sounds terrible to say, but I have to say it. I had a luxury that a lot of guys didn't have. I kind of like got myself in a position where. Like if I took time off for a movie, Vince would go, my God, I can't write your name down. It's hard to book. Because, you know, Vince had a book, mm -hmm. old school book, and he put Hogan versus Kamala or Hogan versus Andre the Giant. And then, you know, there's A, B, and C town. There's the A town I was on, the B town the Warriors on, the C town would be like a tag team. Uh, like yeah, Greg Valentine and Brutus. And everybody wanted to be on the A town. You know, because if you're in the first match in my town, you make like two, three, five thousand dollars. Right, you're making money. And if you're in the C town, you're in the first match, you make two fifty or three fifty. Yeah. You know. So Vince would go, Oh man, you know, it's just so hard to book when you take time off to do a movie or whatever. Like I did sixteen or seventeen mm -hmm. low budget kids movies, you know, and T V yeah, yeah. series and all kind of weird stuff. But you know, so I I put most of my time in and the luxury that I was afforded was the character was so powerful. Honestly, you could put my name down. I said, it don't even matter. Just put my name down and say Hulkamania is coming to Washington, D.C. If you want to put an opponent there, fine. But you don't have to. And and the, the character was so powerful as far as the drawing power that once my daughter, Brooke, was about two, not about three years old, and she started noticing I was gone, I started winding down a little bit. Mm. And I started working more part-time. But I was chartering planes all the time. 
Right. You so know? you're you, using your time the best you right. could. Right. So if I was and in Madison Square it. Garden one night and I had Tuesday off, I'd fly home. Right. And then Wednesday, if I had to be in Mexico City, I'd fly to Mexico, you know, and it got to the point where I had to buy my own plane, you mm-hmm. know, to get this done. Oh, wow. You were really doing some business. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing real good. And, um, you know, so I, when my kids got up and, and Nick was two years behind. So by the time Brooke was four or five and Nick was two or three, I started to slow down. So I spent a lot of time at home, mm. you know, the last 15 or 20 years of my career, but I still banged it out, man. I still had some crazy deals going where I still generated a lot of revenue. Yeah. And did you have full ownership of your own, of your own character? How did that work out with? Because it's you create it within the WWF, yeah, right. So well, was there partnerships in it and stuff like that? You ready for this story? <laughs> Maybe. And if, I, it, if it's uncomfortable, I don't want no, you no, to. no. It's way cool. Okay, it's just, it's just really a little twist here. I own everything. I own Hulk Hogan. I own Hulkamania. I own Hulkster. Congratulations. I'm one of the few few guys that own their name and the rights and the trademarks and licenses. I own everything. Yeah. So when I first. The name I was wrestling, I had several names. Super Destroyer, Terry Boulder, Sterling Golden, Terry the Hulk Boulder, different Sterling brothers. Golden sounds, no offense, I know it's you, but yeah, I don't love that one. I know. Well, that was a guy named Jim Barnett, who's a very nice man. Yes, but, Jim Barnett you know, was cool. Yeah, he was cool. He, you know, okay. a little light in the loafers, but he's a good guy. Hey, yeah, not everybody. Loved yeah. him to death, loved him to death. But, um, yeah, he called me Sterling, my boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying, dude. That freaked me out, man. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, so anyway, I went through all these different things. And finally, when I quit and I was working on the docks, I'll never wrestle again. I'm done. I'm, you know, five or six <laughs> times I've quit. I'm over this crap. I get a call from Vince McMahon and a couple of local wrestlers, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, who are here in Florida. Jack was an NCAA champion, world heavyweight champion. Wow, so like they were Florida. real wrestlers. Yeah, they said, you know, Vince McMahon, this is perfect for you. This is Madison Square Garden. This is where all the really big wrestlers go. And they kept pounding on me, pounding on me. I said, okay, well, I'll go up there, but I'm not taking my wrestling stuff with me. Like, (laughs) what kind of a horse's ass is that? So I fly up there, and they had just got rid of superstar Billy Graham because he'd kind of like, they'd had some problems with him. As soon as as soon as I walked in, I mean, I was jacked. I was all yoked up on something. I was like... 330 pounds i was working on the docks running game on the docks arm wrestling everybody and stuff so i walk up there in the whole buildings i came slid through the building i didn't know how to get in correctly so i had to cut through the crowd for about 20 or 30 feet and the whole building started yelling superstar superstar i thought i was billy graham and i had a tie-dye tank top on i didn't even think about it and vince mcmahon senior goes don't you ever wear that tie-dye in here again i guess he just had a blowout with billy graham so anyway, I met with them and they talked about what they wanted to pay me, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I just get tired of getting screwed over. And they talked about getting me a place to live and having a guy travel with me, which was the, one of the worst decisions they ever made. They hooked me up with one of the biggest con men ever. Really? Yeah. I don't know if you know who Lou Albano was. Yeah, Captain Lou Albano, okay, dude. Well, his partner, Tony Altimore, they were the Sicilians tag team champions. I don't remember Tony. Okay, well, Tony was... The biggest car you ever met. Wow. And he taught me everything. How to slip and fall in a grocery store and walk out with two, three grand. How to do everything, you know. Yeah. So it just, it was horrible to put me with him. But it smartened me up to what the world's all about. So anyway, as I'm talking, he goes, you know what? I want you to be Hulk Hogan. I said, well, what does Hulk Hogan mean? 
goes like that. Ivan Putsky for the Polish Americans, Bruno San Martino for the Italian Americans, Chief Jay Strongbow for the Native American Indian Americans, and I want you to be Hulk Hogan for the Irish Americans. Mm. Here's two bottles of red dye. I want your hair red. And, you know, and they put me with Fred Blassie. And I told Fred, I said, brother, I'm going bald-headed as it is. If I yeah. put this red dye in my hair, the party's over. So dye goes down the toilet. Oh, my God, he's going to fire you. I said, I could care less. And they didn't fire me. Yeah. You know? But that's how I get the name. Right. Hulk, Hulk Hogan to represent the Irish Americans. Dang. And Vince gave you the name. So now Vince dies. The Irish goodbye, that could have been your finishing move. Ooh, strong, brother. I like that. Sorry. That, that would have been really good. Not trying to tell you what to do, but it could have been neat. It could but, have you, been. but what you did worked great. Yeah. So anyway, Vince dies. Vince, his son, takes over. And right when this Hulk Hogan thing takes off, we get a call from Marvel Comics. You're infringing our mark. Reasonably oh, similar. Lou Ferrigno's character. The, with the cartoon character. Incredible. In the magazine. It yeah. was before the TV series. Right. You know, you're infringing on our mark. We're going to sue you, put you in litigation. So we went ahead and, and let them have the name. Didn't license the name, but they only had, I only had to pay them one-tenth of one percent. Oh, wow. So out of a dollar, if I got a penny, I, had, I only had to pay them one-tenth of a penny. Mm. And that went from 85 to 2005, 20 years. Fast forward to 2005, it's over. You know, and I, now I can't use Hulk Hogan. Again. I'm red hot in 2005, man. Ah. I'm still jamming. So I went to my attorney. I said, I don't give a damn what deal you make. You're going to make that deal because I need the name. So what happened was we went in and I got a one-year extension. I had to pay him 30% of everything I made. Mm -hmm. Movies, TV, wrestling, damn. they got 30% of everything. But if they decided to sell the name, mm -hmm. they had to give me first shot at it. They couldn't, you know, sell the name or do anything, you know, right. and, at a fair market value. So all of a sudden, Marvel Comics gets in a bitch fest with the WWE about intellectual properties that they can't re-air old Hulk Hogan matches, which no. Vince was re-airing all yeah. this stuff. They lost. Marvel Comics lost. And they owed Vince like, uh, $35 million. And they made the huge mistake. Of including that in the deal? And they said, no, instead of paying you $35 million, how about if we give you the Hulk Hogan name? And I heard about it. And I went, you guys screwed up now. Because now I don't have to pay $35 million for the name. You have to sell it to me at fair market value, which is only like seven hundred fifty grand. Wow. Yeah, so I bought the name back. And Vince wanted to buy the name for me. I went, nah, I think I got this one. Let me get this. Yeah, I got this one. So, wow, did that feel pretty? Yeah. That must have been a cool moment because then it's almost like you own yourself. Yeah, so I bought the name back and I just own everything. Wow, congratulations, yeah, man. So it's really hard to do in, these, in, yeah, in the world. Yeah, there's not many guys you know, that have that can say that. Yeah. Was there ever some products like people sometimes will try to get me involved with different types of things? You know, have there been interesting products or something you got involved or things that you got involved with? Like I did some pyramid scheme or I, I I lost money in pyramid schemes when I was younger, but um, but that was just like somebody tried to do like a somebody sold us like glitter mining or something. Like yeah. some guy came in our town and said they were selling like some shares of like glitter mining or something. But um, have you ever had crazy products over the years? And you're like, what the fuck? What is this that we're even doing? Well, I mean, we've, we've. I mean, you've had a lot of very successful stuff, but yeah. has there ever just been anything crazy? Like we're going to make Hulk Hogan like Ferris wheels or something, and you're like, well, I mean, I think I've had like seventy or eighty action figures made. Yeah, 
I got a couple at the uh, in my still childhood room. Yeah. Well, the one they made that kind of got a little wonky and got a little weird was they made a Hulk Hogan vibrating action figure, Ooh. which got real funky, you know. And brother, yeah, yeah, I got a little scary brother. <laughs> yeah, little bet, dude, damn. Hulk Hogan. But now look, if you keep one for the lady, that's yeah, what we okay. I thought Sorry, I told brother. you not to look. And I didn't look. I didn't say okay. nothing, sir. Okay. I don't even know what's over yeah. there. <laughs> what do you guys do for fun dates now? Because you guys seem like you have a nice rapport. What do you guys like to go do together? Um, we love to eat. Yeah. We love to eat. Um, we used to love to drink, but that's over for now. Um, I just love spending time with him, man. I'm a beach bum. I lived on the beach my whole life. The only reason I leave the beach is to make money. You can't get me off this beach. Yeah. I just live right up the street, maybe two blocks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a really clear. I've never been to Clearwater before. Yeah. I know I heard crazy stories that John Daly used to live in a Hooters here. Yeah. Did you never know about that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know Ed Drossy, the guy that owns Hooters. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I always heard that he used to live inside of a Hooters somewhere, and that always blew my mind. <laughs> that's funny. There's some great stories about him and John Gruden. Um, yeah, Gruden was across the street. Does he? Yeah, and those apartment series of the penthouse over there. I hear he's a really neat guy. Yeah, he's cool. He's cool. Is he pretty intense, dude? He's a good guy. Yeah, I, I just know him from being around here. I mean, I've got him back home a couple of times, you know, when he's been out running around. So, you know, to make sure he's home safe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, it was funny. You, um, if you said you used to quit drinking, I haven't drank for let me see fourteen months. I'm fourteen months sober, so oh, I don't good. do drugs or alcohol. But um, uh, what made you quit? Were you just or taking a break? I'd been with my girl Sky for a while, and everything that I've ever had happen in my life, both of my two marriages, everything that's ever bad happened to me has had to do with alcohol. Oh yeah, you know. And during those marriages, there was. A lot of alcohol use at times, which caused major issues, major problems. And so um, for me, it was really easy to eat a couple of Percocets and drink a couple shots of tequila and a couple 8% white claws. And, okay, brother, I'm ready. Yeah. And But then, you know, when I got with Sky, I started getting an edge. Right? You know, if things weren't said correctly or I didn't like the way things sounded, I would pick. You know, I'd kind of like dig and start shit and mm -hmm. all of a sudden i started losing something i didn't want to lose again mm. so i said i'm done drinking that it made it, it made just communication a little bit hectic at times well it made me not go off like a hot pocket whenever yeah. i didn't hear something <laughs> i didn't like <laughs> you know because i was I'm, I'm i could be very when i'm when i drink i could be a prick yeah you know and real quick on the trigger finger especially with men yeah you know I'm, and men have probably tried you a lot over the years huh because I've, you were i've had some issues yeah but yeah. i, I I got to tone my thing down. You know, I'm tired of getting sued all the time, you know? So yeah. the, the main thing was that. Is there other stuff that you want to do with your life? You've had a really amazing life. Do, do you feel like it went by so fast sometimes? Or do you, have, when you look back on your life, like, and you still have, uh, you know, I mean, you could still probably live for another 25 years, you know, but, or maybe 30, I don't know. You could live forever. Maybe I don't know what your plan is, but um, do you feel like, did you ever, was it like you were always looking for like a sense of accomplishment or what do you think like was like your driving force a lot of the times? Probably the thing that really pushed me more than anything was, you know, I didn't want to do the woe is me story, but I grew up and I didn't know we were, I don't even want to say poor. I don't even want to say that. I, I grew up not knowing that we didn't have money. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom was a housewife. My dad worked construction. Mm -hmm. And I had one bicycle that got stolen. I never got another one. Yeah. And I had two little trucks to play with. I still had this little pink truck that I had. And then I had a big yellow Tonka trunk 
truck. And I played with that in the dirt all day because my dad was a construction worker. Oh, you wanted to be like him? Yeah. And so I kind of grew up, you know, and, and then when I got older, I realized, you know, once a month on a Friday, we had one of those little minute steaks, you know, and I just kind of grew up and I started realizing, you know, looking around that, okay, you know, I guess they did the best they could, but I don't want to live like this when I grow up. So I had this crazy thing I didn't even know it was an affirmation. I started telling myself money comes quick and easy to me. Mm. And I just kept, would always say that in my head. And I said, I'm not going to die the poor Tampa death because in Tampa, there's a road called Gandhi Boulevard. And if you're South of Gandhi, you're a SOG, South of Gandhi. Okay. And I grew up South of Gandhi and everybody from South of Gandhi either becomes a professional athlete or a drug dealer or you die or you work construction your whole life. Yeah. I didn't want to die the poor Tampa death. Right. You know, so you so, wanted to get nog. You wanted to get on the other side, right? So I wanted to fight my way out of that town. Yeah, you know? I didn't want to be a drug dealer. Didn't want to die, and didn't want to work construction because I tried construction. It was a bitch. It wasn't me. Yeah. Okay. So I said I'm going to fight my way out of this town. You know. And plus, I played music because I would do anything to avoid working a real job. Yeah. Okay. So I played music for ten years and did real well at that. But then it got to the point where I was playing the same clubs and just, just am I going to do this forever? Right. You know, and so I just uh, switched gears and went after the wrestling thing, you know, and uh, it took me a while to adapt to it, you know. Yeah, it sounds like that. But I was pretty aggressive when I was a kid, you know, and and I just uh, kept pushing. You know, I made the big mistake of telling everybody in this town I was going to be a wrestler. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, that's what got my leg broke the first day. But that's such a scary, you know who did that? The Miz. I'm friends with The Miz, right? Yeah. And he, hey, by the way, yeah. that brother there was keep this art form alive. Every time I see him, I tell him how much I love him yeah. for what he's done. But because he he understands this business a lot more than most of the guys do. There's probably two or three guys that I can pick out that understand that business. He's one of them. Yeah. And he gets it. He lived, I mean, he's always been that. I remember him telling us uh, before he was a wrestler, he's like, I'm going to be a wrestler. And we thought he was crazy. And then he proved us all wrong. Dude, I was I was down in Ybor City, and there was an old track, uh, Blues Image, called Ride, Captain Ride, an old song. I just walked over to the other studio and laid the scratch bass line down for Mike Panera and the Blues Image band way before your time. But then I went back over to the studio, and we had a chance to go on a national tour with Blackfoot, you know. And I just came off tour with this lady named Jeannie Conroy. And we and we we came back to the studio and everybody was screwing around. One guy was getting married and one guy's girlfriend was having a baby. And I said, we get we can leave in two weeks and go on the road with these guys. And Mother's Finest, I don't know if you know who they are. Mm-hmm. That song CM Punk comes out to, mm-hmm. Cult Personality, that band Mother's oh, Finest yeah. Cult out of Atlanta. We were going to go with them at Blackfoot. We were going to open for them. I said, bro, this is our chance because our shit's straight right now. Two of the guys didn't want to leave. Fuck. And I was so pissed off. So let me tell you guys something. I'm done. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been doing this for 10 years with a couple of you guys. And I'm done. I'm quitting. And I'm going to go be the greatest wrestler that ever lived. And all five of these guys <laughs> fell on the ground laughing. <laughs> they busted out laughing. And it pissed me off so bad. I didn't know what I was talking about. I just said it because I was mad at them because they wouldn't go on the road. Yeah. And then I said, okay, damn it, I'm going to go be a wrestler. You know, and it was just the whole thing was crazy. <laughs> but I had a couple altercations with wrestlers in bars and had met a few of them. So I wasn't scared to death of them like I was. Because back in the 70s, you know, I had cauliflower ears and teeth knocked out and noses broke. I was scared to death of a wrestler. Yeah. Because back in the day when Eddie Graham here had the promotion, 
you said wrestling was fake, they'd punch you right in the mouth. Wow. I mean, there was no lawsuits, no lawyers or nothing like that. Yeah, I love that. I wish so, I was alive then. So I got, like, I was scared to death of them, but then I kind of got used to seeing them come in the bar because we had a really hot local band at the time. They would come in to hear us play, you know, and then I kind of would watch them. I wasn't so afraid of them, you know, as I used to be. But yeah, it just all changed, man. Was your, so your father did construction, did, were you at one time able to like say, hey dad, you don't have to work anymore? Was he always a worker his whole life? Yeah, well the sun, the sun burned him up, bro, because he worked outside here in this Florida heat. Oh God. He started out in the Panama Canal, it was where he met my mother. My father's Italian, my mother's Panamanian. Oh, cool, and man. So, yeah, so I don't have to really go in the sun too often. Yeah, know? my father's from Nicaragua, so there you go. I have to be careful how I say that word, but also I, I don't have to go in the sun all the yeah, time. Yeah, if you either. go out there for 10 minutes, you turn oh, purple. Oh, fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm on that team. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of like, um, what was the question? Um, was your father pretty proud of you? I guess that's well, what you I was know, Oh, the question, you. it got to a point where uh, my family was kind of like, not the most feely, touchy, loving family, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, I had a couple brothers, one half-brother, and then another middle brother that uh, didn't do too well in life, you know, and he, he got killed. Mm. He was riding with a bunch of motorcycle clubs and stuff and didn't do too well. But, um, you know, my dad and mom, I don't ever, ever remember my dad you know, really being affectionate until later on in life, mm. you know, when I started doing good. And uh, I quit college after four years, which I should have had a degree, but I quit to go play music again. And that really didn't work too well. Probably made him nervous, huh? Yeah, and then when I told him I was going to be a wrestler, that really upset him, <laughs> you know. And then later on, um, I brought him up to Madison. Actually, the night I beat the Sheik, I brought my mom and dad up wow. to Madison Square Garden to see that. And my dad had just retired, so I just, uh, from that point on, I just paid for everything. And then when my brother um, got killed, I was real young at the time, and I got three kids, you know, that were his. His wife got murdered first. Oh. Here in Tampa. Is in the motorcycle gang guy? Yeah, yeah. My brother was riding with a club, and he'd, he'd done a couple of years in Rayford here, and then when he got out, he got in trouble again, and he moved to Houston, changed the name, and then he was riding with the, I don't even want to say the club, but the Oakland chapter mm -hmm. out in, in california but while he was riding in oakland um his wife was running a hotel managing a hotel and she was dating this mafia guy mm -hmm. and she was on the dance floor after work just dancing with the customer he came in and shot her in the chest twice oh. killed her so then shortly after that my brother had a little problem with one of the clubs and they killed him and so um Man, well, it's actually, actually it's not true he, he died of an overdose and nobody helped him Mm. that's the real truth i don't want to say it that way but um so i ended up with three kids you know kind of like having to support them right and so i was running so hard i had to let my parents help and then the other side of the family help but i was the guy right you know, and taking care of the kids and and uh my parents so well so you had a lot of responsibility then suddenly to really to be the uh guy who's helping find a, keep things going basically i couldn't quit wrestling anymore okay yeah i had to make it work <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i had to make it work so it's it's been a test you know test of faith so you know it's all good did y'all have did y'all go to church and stuff growing up or was there any faith in y'all's home i went to uh ballast point baptist church well i went to ballast point elementary school over in south tampa I went to Ballast Point Baptist Church with my mom once. And then uh, one of my buddies was there. 
that I went to elementary school with, and I started going with his family every Sunday. Oh, yeah. You know, Did they that, have donuts and stuff over there? Yeah, I have everything. Man. God, I love that, dude. The yeah. Lord will freaking get you with that. Yeah, and so I didn't get it because I was so young, but then later on, I was like 13 or 14 years old, I was playing guitar. A buddy of mine who I played football with in junior high school, he had a, a little Christian youth group, and uh, he said, we need somebody to play guitar. So I went up there with this guy named Hank Lindstrom, and I started playing guitar, and then that's when I started listening to scripture and then when i heard the john three sixteen, god so loved the lord he gave only the son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life bam it hit me you know and i accepted christ as my savior when i was 14 i was mm. saved but then of course i derailed yeah for a long time you know and uh went back and forth to church every once in a while and um my first life with a Catholic, and it, that really wasn't my thing. You know, my kids went to a Catholic school and went to a Catholic church. But I just, I didn't feel, it didn't resonate with me. And then my second wife was spiritual, but she wasn't a believer, so that didn't work for me. And so this lady here is on the team, so we go to church every Sunday. Oh, nice. And uh, it's, um, it's, it's a Christian, in your rocks Christian church. And uh, it's nice I, having faith, huh? Actually, I took a buddy of mine with me today, a guy named Mel Chancy. He was the uh, the president of the Hell's Angels chapter from Chicago. Really? The Baja? I was yeah. a one percenter. Yeah, I took him, and he was. <laughs> this guy was too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Ventura yeah. just told me that so many times. Yeah. Yeah, but Mel, you know. And he went with you guys today? Yeah. He, oh, he'll, nice. he'll tell you the story. He told my minister today. He went away for nine years. Oh, he was incarcerated. And, yeah, for Rico and for a couple attempted murders. And then he he came out and he found the Lord and, and uh, we reconnected. So I took, and he's got his own little ministry thing on the internet he does. Really? What's it called? Mel Chancy is his yeah, name? Yeah, Mel Chancy. It's John 316 Devotional. Okay. Is that the name of it? John, John 316 Devotional. I have to check him out. Is he pretty cool? Is he yeah, a pretty interesting guy? Dig, oh, you'll dig him, bro. He's straight, man. He's really cool. Well, it's interesting because a lot of you, a lot of, some of them were almost like pastors to us as kids. They were, you know, it was like, it's where you got your message of hope, you know? Yeah. I think that's a lot of what faith is for people. I know it is for me. You know, yeah. it's like, where do I get a message for hope, you know? And, um, and yeah, sometimes just hearing like, yeah, somebody like, you can do it, you know? Like, take your vitamins, say your yeah. prayer, you know? Like, or just anything that inspires. It's like, where do you find your hope as you go along through life, you know? And- a lot of times for when we were kids, it was, I mean, wrestling is really what hit me first. Um, it was probably my most favorite sport until I started watching UFC. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I really love. You know, UFC is awesome. Do you ever watch any of that? Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was an opportunity to buy it a long time ago and Vince and I passed on it. You know, it was uh, before the referees stopped things. Yeah. And they were kicking people when they were on the ground. And it just was so violent when it was brought to us. We went. And, uh. That was a huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh it's, it's just an entertaining weird. sport. Yeah, so many guys, you know, that I know, you know, finally start believing more in the unseen than the seen and they and they kinda like figure this life out, you know. Yeah. Hopefully not too late, but uh it's pretty amazing once you kind of figure it out. Yeah. Well it's nice to not feel alone, I think, you know. I think a lot of people are looking for that these days. You know, I wonder, like, societally, have we taken, like, I wonder if our society will look back and be like, what a weird detour we took, like, thinking that we could find happiness in so many different things, you know? I don't know. I yeah, like thinking about that stuff sometimes. That's pretty crazy, man. A lot of people just, in this human incarnation, bro, they're just all about materialistic stuff, you know? Yeah. 
and uh, as soon as they have a glitch with their health or something, <laughs> they change their oh, tune yeah, right you away. Looked, yeah. You know? Oh, definitely. You'll start drawing pictures of the Lord immediately. Shoot, yeah, man. I get a couple, I get one bad blood test, dude, and I'm on, you know, <laughs> I'm on Bible.org or whatever. There you go. There you go. Um, what, um, do you guys take any vacations? You and your lady, do you have a vacation plan for the summer? We don't have one yet. I guess you live in a vacation. Yeah, we do. We don't have one yet. We're talking about going some places. Last year on her birthday, we were going to go to Miami, but I was sick as a dog or something. But, you know, we've got, uh, we're planning some stuff now. Things have kind of straightened out. It's been a really busy year this last year. So. Has it been? Yeah, it's been crazy, man. I decided to go back to work again. Are you, you know? you're going to wrestle again? No, 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 no. But I mean, business-wise. Okay, understood. I mean, no, no disrespect to Bo and Darren Prince and stuff, but they can, they can tell you, you know, or anybody that, you know, they call me for stuff all the time. And I think in the last couple of years, I've made just like one appearance, you mm -hmm. know, maybe, maybe one, <laughs> but you know, I did one this year already, but they, for years and years, they'd call me to do stuff and, you know, don't just wasn't interested. And when I, once I shut down, I shut down brother. You know what I yeah. mean? Cause this, I'm, I'm like a beach bum, you know, and I'm not really into Good for you. You know, so I mean, it's kind of like I've turned down a bunch of movies, whole bunch of movies, whole bunch of TV. I mean, you know, T, I get calls all the oh, time. Oh, yeah, TV, yeah. Because, you know, with the content I have now with the bar and the restaurant, the retail store here and the retail store in Atlanta, and my son's back here and my daughter's here and my new baby here has got three kids and, oh, and there's, there's all kind of content, bro. And I, everybody's banging me all the time to do reality shows and stuff. And I'm just like, eh. I just shut it all down. And even with appearances and autograph sessions, you know, I mean, I use Vo and Prince Marketing, you know, when I do do stuff. And, you know, sometimes the WWE will call me to do stuff and I'll just kind of, I still work for them, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, I'll kind of pass on that and, or I'll do it, you know, it just depends on what the weather's like, you know, yeah. out, out back. <laughs> oh, yeah. But sometimes. no, no, I, I got in business with Tyson and, uh, all these guys to you know for this whole wellness thing that we we're moving forward on. Yeah, you guys have a CBD line, is that yeah, right? Yeah, we do. We do. When's it come out? Bo, help me. August. August. Okay. Yeah, and this is the, some of the packaging and stuff, man. You know, oh, sweet. So, Let me see. Yeah. So it's uh, oh, we're, we're yeah, going for uh, oh, nice as a vape. Yeah. Yeah, we're going yeah, for the whole wellness that. aspect of it because oh, after yeah, boy, after being in so much, yeah, look at you, bro. What is you gonna do? Uh, yeah, sorry. What if it? What if every <laughs> time I hit it, it made it so that's how I talked, bro? It would work. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would work, dude. This is a vibe, man. Yeah, because the the ones they have are so generic. I've I've vaped on and off for about a year and a half. So yeah, I've been at the bottom of one of these bitches, boy. I've been yeah. through it all. God, I can't even sleep. Yeah, yeah, the so. single fucking make you drive all night. <laughs> You're too much, man. So if it's wellness, like what type of stuff? So CBD? Yeah, well, we got CBD for, you know, energy and for sleep. And we're also going down the THC road. Okay, yeah. Because there's so many people that got hooked on prescription pain pills and prescription drugs and different drugs to sleep, you know, Halcyons and Xanax that, you know, it seems like, you know, going down, down that road with the THC is an option for people, Much a, health, safer. a healthier option, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I partnered with, and you know, and what I didn't understand at the time is to sell the THC, you know, you have to partner with somebody from the same state. 
Oh, you know, really? So starting, yeah, I, I didn't know that. You know, so if you're in Michigan, you got to partner with a grower in Michigan. So in Florida, we partnered with Sunburn. Mm-hmm. And um, they've got 150 dispensaries around the state, and we start August 1st with them. So I'm really excited because you know it's kind of like a it's a gradual transition. It's a way to back out slowly mm-hmm. uh, from you know stuff that can be really addictive, yeah. such as the perks, the pain pills, and oh. whatever else you know people you know numb themselves with the alcohol and everything else. So I just think it's a more realistic way to wind down and get healthier. So. I'm on the team, man. I'm really excited about it. And will the will it, will you be like featured on the products? Is it like Hulk's med? Is it like a yeah? It's going to be Hulk's uh, Hulk's uh, products. Yeah. Okay. And then we're going going to uh, with the Delta Eight and a couple things. We came up with a a kind of cool little thing, like, kind of like an inside joke that you know when I was the bad guy, Hollywood Hogan, mm-hmm. we were always riding dirty. You know? Yeah. We always had beer in the car we were partying in the car i mean ash and hall doing all kind of crazy stuff so when you go with hollywood hogan you know and you're gonna go ride dirty we're gonna have something called the mustache rides oh yeah so boy. ride dirty get a mustache ride with hollywood i've given you know? a couple i think i've given a couple i don't even know what it is i have to google it <laughs> need to grow the mustache brother. <laughs> okay well yeah <laughs> those are lip rides oh yeah there you go yeah those were lip rides too. yeah those are front teeth rides some of them i'm really i'm pretty uncoordinated so um that's awesome though congrats yeah, man yeah so it should be interesting to see uh you know how my brand performs in yeah that arena well uh, i'm sure look and anything you've gotten into you've performed well so i'm sure this shouldn't be different yeah well it makes sense you know it's a it's a logical extension of where i'm going and where i've already been so just the whole thing makes sense at this point you know yeah. everybody's kind of aware on how much this will help you know certain individuals let's that, get some healing yeah thank god brother thank yeah. god but yeah, I love them. Uh, but that's nice. So you have your whole family here now. Yeah, yeah. Your whole family's Nick, in town. Nick moved back. Yeah, and he helps me a lot. Well, he's real good on the stick, man. He runs Monday nights for us. I don't know if you're around tomorrow. Uh, I might actually be staying till Tuesday. So if Dude, I do, you have to come to my bar tomorrow night. But you it's guys do Monday karaoke. Night it is insanity. Really? It is insane <laughs> what goes on in there. Yeah. I mean, karaoke is unbelievable, isn't it? Well. My partner said karaoke wouldn't work. I said, that depends on who's doing it, brother. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it gets really sick over there. And, yeah. Uh, they got some real singers in this town, huh? Well, it's either really good or it's really bad. Oh, yeah. There's no in between. So, yeah, but if you're around, please come over, man. Yeah, maybe I will because I think I'm going to stay. I was going to go maybe. It's see, right across the street. Are you, we walked are you in yesterday. There? No, we're staying in. Uh, we got shows in Tampa. I have one more oh, tonight. okay, okay. But I wanted to come to the beach tomorrow, so maybe I would make that work, and I wouldn't leave till Tuesday. No, that'd be cool. Yeah, who is somebody that you miss wrestling or just spending time with? Like, who's somebody that like that you miss? Well, I mean, across the street there used to be right where my restaurants at across mm-hmm. the street, that plaza right next door to it. There used to be a gym upstairs, and the Bushwhackers had a gym up there. Oh, really? So for a long time, the wrestlers would come there, and then right down the street there was a World's Gym. And during the 80s and 90s, every morning, there'd be like 30 or 40 wrestlers in there. You know? Wow. And they all lived up and down the beach. You know, I'd bring them here to hang out for a couple of days. Next thing I knew, they'd move. It was like crazy, you know. And then the whole wrestling was based out of here for a long time. Yeah. All the travel from Connecticut. Everybody's flying out of Tampa. It was like crazy to go to Tampa Airport and see 20 or 30 guys on the same plane, you know. Wow. But the, my guys that were here all the time that I really miss was Randy. The Macho Man. Mm-hmm. We were together every single day. Were y'all really? 
yeah, every day, man. And, and it's kind of like, I miss him a lot. You know, and so I spent years and years and years with him, and he used to babysit my kids for me. And, he did, yeah. Well, him and Elizabeth, you know. yeah. But uh, sorry, yeah. not just Randy, him and Liz. It's but, bedtime, uh, yeah. Brother. And the other, the other brother that I missed was one of the Road Warriors, Hawk. You oh know, yeah. yeah, I introduced him to his wife here. You know, she was a was a, Hawk the longer hair. He had the no, he had the the two. Yeah, and he wore he had well, they both wore the yeah, spikes. Yeah, God, they were good, man. Yeah, and and so Hawk was a Minnesota boy, and when I was in Minnesota, you know, I used to train at a gym with Brad Riggins, the the head Olympic coach, and Brock Lesnar used to come down and work out with us back in the day, and another guy named Kevin Kelly, who was a real tough kid, man. And so I would tell those guys, I'd tell Lesnar, I'd tell Kevin Kelly, look, bro, I'm the main event guy. Yeah. Brad Riggins, the Olympic coach, he's in the preliminary match. So you guys beat him, you can try me. <laughs> yeah. So Brad saved me from these guys, right? You know? <laughs> But I used to watch Brad torture him. You know, it was great. So, wow. Yeah, so Hawk was up there in Minnesota. And when I was training up there, he was just some high school kid in the gym, him and him and Animal. You mm -hmm. know, and he would watch us like Hawks and watch us like Hawks. The next thing I knew, I come back like two years later and go to that gym, and they're jacked up. They've each gained 100 pounds. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. You know, we're going to be wrestlers. I said, good luck. Don't touch me. <laughs> you know? And they went down to Atlanta and broke in. And they had a good gimmick. You know, yeah. The road warrior thing worked. But oh, Hawk, Hawk moved down here. I introduced him to his wife. She was an aerobic instructor. I said, look, I'm going to introduce you to her. Then I'm out. Yeah. Because she's a wild one. Okay. Yeah. And so no matter what happens, yeah, we're cool because I got nothing to do with it from this point <laughs> on. You want to meet her? Here she is, Dale. Here's Hawk. <laughs> they ended up getting married. You know. Uh, and so he was always here. And I miss seeing him a lot You know, because I hung out with him a lot. And he, they moved away? He died. Oh, he passed away. Yeah, he passed I didn't know away. That. He overdosed. Yeah. Oh. And uh, she's still around the neighborhood somewhere. I haven't seen her forever. And then another one of the guys that I traveled with for forty years on the road, Brutus Beefcake. Yeah. You know, him and I had a falling out. The barber, know? huh? Was he a real bar? Somebody said he went to. No. He didn't really go to Redken or something, or was no. it? <laughs> he wasn't a real barber, and we had a little bit of a falling out, and so we we don't even talk anymore. You know, I mean, we don't. There's no nothing to talk about. Yeah. You think y'all will ever patch that up? Um, it's got a lot to do with the ladies married too. You know? Oh, it does. Yeah, nothing really to do with him. Yeah. So um, sometimes I, I, you I'll get... pass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. What was the drug? You know, what was uh? Yeah, this is one thing. The last thing I was about. What was the steroid use like? Because I used steroids when I was in high yeah. school. You know, we would get test two hundred or four hundred. Right. I don't know. Somebody made us. I think made us some seven hundred one time. Um. One time we snuck it back from Mexico in like shampoo bottles and stuff. Yeah. So we'd had like we'd have like soap, like we'd there would be like soap in it a little crazy, bit too. Man. But we were using it, you know. Yeah. Was it pretty heck? Was it pretty just a normal thing that people were using? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like uh, I think it was nineteen ninety. It became illegal. You know? Oh, it was legal before that. Oh yeah, you go to the doctor, you get a prescription for it. Oh wow, you know that was another thing the guys had a problem with. They would take so much of it. Mm -hmm. They would ramp their system up. I think they stress their system, their hearts out. I don't know if anybody ever really died from just steroids, but if you had the steroids or the somas and the perks and the alcohol and the coke, okay, you're uh, going to create a fire. You know? Yeah. So for me, you yeah. know, up until the 90s, I was always street legal. I mean, if I had a bottle of DECA or a bottle of test on me, it was a prescription from the doctor, and it was legal. Oh, so the doctors used to prescribe oh, it? Oh, God, yes, bro. Oh, I'd I have my blood checked, my levels checked, everything. 
Wow. To make sure I didn't. Right. You, know, so you were trying yeah, to use it man. as safely as possible. Yeah, because it, when you turn 30, that's the peak of your biological clock. And then from that point on, it's down. Bro. Oh, shit. You know, so I don't know how old you are. But I'm 43, man. Okay. And well, you're on the way down. Fuck, man. So there's a bunch of good HRT doctors around, hormone replacement doctors that can hook you up. I, I want, I've thought about that. I don't want to lose my hair, though. That's the scary part. You yeah, know? you won't lose your hair. You don't think? No. Maybe I'll start no. looking into that. Yeah. But anyway, make a long story short, mm -hmm. about 1990, and before then, everybody I knew, because I knew a lot of baseball players, I knew a whole lot of football players, I knew a lot of hockey players, all professional guys, they all used steroids. Mm -hmm. There was only one guy I actually knew that didn't use them, that was Bob Backlund. You know? Bob Backlund. Yeah. He was a champion before I came along. In okay. Red-haired kid. I've heard of him. Yeah. So anyway... But everybody I knew dabbled in it, and even if they said they didn't, they did, believe me. And so at the end of the day, when it became illegal, we kept yoking up you know, yeah. because we were out tearing biceps like this that wouldn't get fixed and muscle tears everywhere, and your thumb gets broken, and, and the Philadelphia Spectrum at 1 o'clock, you go to Brussels and Madison Square Garden that night, you don't want 10 weeks, it's got to be healed in six weeks. Yeah. So we just never really stopped. And then Vince McMahon was on his, you know, major role with this company doing great and the federal government targeted him you know so he had to clean things up well they well yeah eventually they targeted him and they drugged the poster boy in mm. you know well, if we're gonna go for vince let's get hogan and Damn. so we had a a rough go of it for a few years with the federal government but vince went to trial and all the stuff they said he did he didn't do you know he didn't distribute it he didn't sell it yeah. You know, I mean, you, just, you did it on your own. It oh, had nothing yeah, to do with yeah. Vince, but they were oh, I'm not to, going to get it from my boss. Yeah, so that, that, that's what they were trying to paint him in the corner. It wasn't true. And they tried to get me to testify otherwise. Wow. You know, which I said I would. And then when I got on the witness stand, I told the truth and made a quick exit and didn't go back to New York for five years. Really? Oh, yeah. Because that's where the feds were? Because that's where Vince yeah, was? Yeah, they were trying to prosecute him out of Brooklyn. Wow. So when I went to work for Ted Turner, I couldn't even wrestle anywhere in New York for five years. So they thought you were going to rat on him. Yeah. And you just said he didn't do it. Well, I became a government witness. Wow. Because to avoid prosecution, you know, because they were, they were going to get somebody and they were going for Vince. And then if they weren't going for Vince, they pulled me aside and actually told me what was going to happen to me if I didn't say this. I went, I didn't know it. that. No problem. No problem, brother. You got it. So when I got on the uh, witness stand there in Brooklyn, um, I had a Learjet waiting at Tito Tuber Airport. Airport. I had Alec Isaacman, one of my attorneys that handled Larry Flint, the Larry Flint trial. Mm -hmm. I had another attorney, Henry Holmes, with me. And when I got off that witness stand, I didn't even go sit in the courtroom. I went out the side door, yeah. got in the car, went to Tito Airport, and didn't come back for five years until the three three prosecutors. Uh, Charlie Rose, or either Charlie Rose or Sean O'Shea. One of them got busted with a bunch of kilos of coke. Mm. And then the other one died of cancer. I can't remember who was who. But the third guy, the head of the FBI, flagged him and I became good friends. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> once that was over, then I went back to New York. Yeah. You know. But yeah, it was it was a it was a crazy run. They were just trying to target Vince and trying to, you know, do what the government always does to people, you know? And, oh yeah. And he just basically didn't do anything they said he did. And he was not that guy. Yeah. Did you ever get to meet Michael Jackson? Yes. Yeah. I was asked to get off a Disney bus because of him. No way. Why? Because yeah. what happened? Well, they have these little little buses. They'll cart tourists around on it. Uh, 
at, at Disney. Disney. They're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, they're yeah. like little trolleys is oh, what yeah. they look like. And But not the carts that are hooked together. It actually looks like a little minibus, a little red trolley. Okay. And so all of a sudden, um, I was sitting there with my family, uh, my first wife and my two kids watching the fireworks at Disney. And all of a sudden, the security guards come in and go, well, you need to scoot down. You need to move the, the far side of the cart. And I moved the far side of the cart. And then Michael Jackson came in. And, uh, just by himself? He was by himself with, oh. a, a, with a, a couple security guards. And uh, he came over. He goes, oh, I'm very sorry about them making you move. And I said, it's okay, brother. Not a big deal, man. It's all cool. I get Did it. Did you know it was him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I really didn't talk to him other than that to say it was cool. But that's the only time I've met him was when they made us move down and get out of his way. You know, I, I don't think they wanted us look at, looking at him or anything. But he what came did, down and apologized. Oh, he did? Yeah. Did he look like little or did he seem like kind of not? Did he, what did he seem like? I don't know. I was just sitting down. And he just, he looks like he does on TV to me. You know, he had the black hat on and uh, wow. he was all covered up and had the glove, the thin glove on. Because he was like, an, I mean, it must, yeah. that must have been interesting for you to see him, yeah, right? Yeah, my daughter Brooke was flipping. You yeah. Know? She was like seven or eight years old. I can't remember. But yeah, but that's the only time I ever met him. He just was real polite, but the security guards were pricks. Yeah. <laughs> but I understand why they had to do it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably paying them a lot. Yeah, plus say he didn't want his picture taken and didn't want to be asked for autographs, so I get it. Yeah. And what about Michael Landon? Did you ever meet him? No, I didn't. Why would you bring that up? I love Michael Landon. So do I. Yeah. Really? Yeah, little Joe. Oh, dude. He was my favorite. Highway to Heaven, even that show. Yeah, yeah. Little House on the Prairie. I loved Michael Landon. I was more of a Bonanza guy. Way Were you? Your time. I respect that. Yeah, you seem like a little more Bonanza. But, um, yeah, I loved Michael Landon, man. That's he cool. Was, there was just something about, I just, yeah, I don't know. He played like that father, like the hero. You know, he was like, I mean, you probably looked at him the way we looked at you, you know? It was like, man, that guy. Eh, not really. I was looking more like a hoss. Oh, yeah? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but. That's that's great. But, yeah, Hulk, it's nice to meet you, man. And, you and it's an brother. honor. And thank you so much for just being a great entertainer all these oh, years, thank you, man. Brother. Well, I'm glad you were a fan. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, man. I had no idea. That's we cool. needed you, dude. We fucking, I don't even know our TV. We would fucking balance the shit on the back and we would fucking hold each other's eyes open. Like, don't you fucking <laughs> miss this, boy. That's and great. we would fucking miss it, dude, sometimes. Oh, that's but great. sometimes we wouldn't, man. When Gene Okerlund would be yeah. on there, God, and we were ready, boy. He we would not, fucking he... wear tuxedos. We didn't have tuxedos, but we had like these, like, we would cut a black sweatshirt with like the white shirt under yeah. and pretend like we were the guys, you know? Yeah. He was my guy, Gino and I. I brought him from Minnesota with me. Yeah. Because I was in Minnesota and, and met him there. The Baja. And then when I went back to uh, New York, when they wanted me to come back and do this crazy international thing with Vince Jr., I brought me and Gene with me. Mm. He's my guy. Yeah, he seemed like a cool guy to have around, huh? Yeah. And was he just a little bitty guy? Yeah, he was a little bit. When I moved to Minnesota, I was single, and I had an apartment be behind the Met Center where the Mall of America is. There was a place called the Met Center there. Mm -hmm. And there were the Versailles apartments behind there, and that's where all the Northwest stewardess lives right oh, so i yeah. got an apartment there yeah, me and gene came over one time and he was married and he wouldn't go home <laughs> he stayed in my apartment for like a year and a half i said dude aren't you ever gonna go home he wouldn't leave he just stayed there and lived with me i said okay fine whatever you know he just wouldn't go home he's just interviewing stewardesses he, he hey was, claire you're headed to work today he was brutal man he that's was, hilarious he was fun. He was did you fun. see prince over there in town yes time? god yes yeah i used to go down and play at a bar called the caboose um 
There was another bar that they, was that the bar he played at all the time? Yeah, downtown Minnesota. Okay. Minneapolis. And then I played at Boyd's in the River all the time. There's a band called Fragile there. Bonkers is a place we used to, uh, are you familiar with Minnesota? Yeah, some. We used to go to, what's that bar place we went to? Bonkers? Bon oh, you know, Boyd's on the River. I can't remember. Burnsville Bowl, any of these places. I mean, mm -mm. I'm talking the 80s. I don't okay. Know. But they had yeah. real pimps. I met my first real pimp in Minnesota. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Yeah, but right on Hennepin Avenue where Moby Dix was, mm -hmm. there was a bar called the Caboose. And I used to always go in there, and, you know, after I wrestled or whatever, since I was single, I didn't have anything to do. So I'd just go down there and drink beer and play guitar all night with all these bands. And, you know, I was fresh off playing, so I could still play. Yeah. You know, like my fingers hadn't been broken and screwed up and so many times, so I could still play pretty well. So I'd go down there, and I always go into Prince's Club, you know, First Avenue there. And the first day I went in there, he walked on stage and started playing. Wow. You know, the very first time I saw walked in the place. And so, you know, that got me coming back a lot. Yeah. You know, and I only saw him two more times there, but uh, he would come in there and just play, like, for three hours. Cause it was his club yeah know? and we just sit there and listen to him and it was it was amazing to watch him you know i met him one time said hello to him it was just a brief passing he goes yeah i'm a wrestling fan so oh, thank you man cool but yeah i just never sat and talked with him or anything hmm. pretty magnificent though just to even see him you know yeah he was cool man he was cool but you know i just uh really dug his music man oh yeah man yeah yeah he could do it you could do it, man. Thank you for all the music you put out in the world, you know? It's all good, brothers. We're not done yet. No, no yeah, yeah, and you're not. I mean, I no, didn't mean to make it yet. seem like that. But I'm, thank I'm you. still here for a reason. I just haven't figured it out yet. Well, all right on, dude. Well, we're glad you are. Oh, and cool. uh, thanks for all you've done so far, man. Oh, it's thank been, you, brother. Very cool. It's been awesome to witness and to be a fan of. Thank you, brother. Very cool. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone